Hey, I'm Hunter. And I'm Kane. And my, my boss, boss is, is a dick. dick. Uh, this is a podcast that has taken three times to try to record, whether it means three separate podcasts or three separate takes. Uh, but Kane and I are here to, uh, I guess, just talk some shit and see how things go. We just kind of want to talk it out, see what comes up, and uh, just let the flow flow. Yeah, we usually have some pretty interesting and rousing conversations, so we figured why not let the world hear. So, how did you feel about Black Panther? Black Panther 2. I really liked it. I I think I liked it better than the first Black Panther. 100% agree. Is probably in like my definitely top 10, maybe top 5 MCU movies. Yeah, it was definitely really good. I felt like it had a much better story. Yeah, um like I don't mean to be one of those guys that shits on Marvel a lot because I actually really love them. Uh but for me it was really cool to see a movie that was like less reliant on comedy and cameos and it had a self-contained story that had a lot of heart and just really hit home with a cool story that doesn't necessarily have to tie in with anything else, which, I mean, I'm sure it does. I know it has to, but it could have been a standalone movie and nothing else would have had to factor into that. I cried three times. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was it was really less of a less of a Marvel movie and more of just a an actual movie you would go and see standalone, like you were saying. It didn't have to incorporate in anything else. Obviously, you know, you get a lot of the uh, first Black Panther in there from the draws and the ties, but standalone outside of cinematic universe, it was still a really good movie. Yeah. Honestly, like one, it was a great tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Absolutely. But as well, if you were just like, Hey, this is my first Marvel movie ever. They do enough explaining that you're like, okay, cool. My brother died and this is what I have to do moving forward. Yeah. It was really about the journey moving forward from start to finish. And honestly, Shuri shined so heavy in this movie. Definitely her movie definitely showed through. Such a like such an emotional gravitas to her. And the supporting cast was fantastic. I totally agree. Mbaku was great this time around. Uh Angela Bassett's character, I can Rosamunda, I believe that's her name. Uh total badass in her mm-hmm. uh UN scene. Oh yeah. Just really it really puts you in the shoes of the Wakandans. I felt like all the characters got really, they got flushed out a lot better. They all had their moments and their arcs and their progression and their character development. Yeah, they all had a time to shine. And I really liked Namor in this. It was a very well done villain, but anti-hero more so than yeah, villain. Yeah, you, you really sympathize with him. Yeah, he's got his reasons. He's not doing it just to be a dick or be for just world domination or anything like that. He's got reasons and they're, they're good reasons. They, they justified to him and that's, you know, you can tell. So I have a question. Yeah. Uh, do you want to include spoilers in this? No, I don't think we should. True. Your brother also is here. So if he wants to watch it, that would be kind of a dick move. Yeah. And we're not our bosses. So, yeah. So I mean, we're each other's bosses or our own bosses anyway, but yeah, we're not dicks to other people. Yeah, with some stuff. True. (laughs) Man, so what's really wild to me, Mm -hmm. I know this is kind of off the wall, but it's so crazy to see how far the music scene in Texas has come. 
It is drastically changing, and I think for the better. I 100% agree. When I was a kid, first off, I mean, Texas music was a thing, I guess, but it like it was a much smaller idea, I believe. You Te- had your you had your big people yeah. like your your cross Canadian ragweeds. And I mean, technically, they're red dirt from Oklahoma. I was about to say Texas country was a lot more red dirt heavy. Oh yeah, and like I mean, they had a lot, or they they had a lot more heavy like fiddle and steel. Red dirt was more rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, but red dirt in Texas have actually there's a there used to be a huge feud about that actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but recently, within like the last decade or so, they've kind of buried the hatchet and realized that it was stupid, and come together. And sort of accepted each other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like anybody's going to really, you know, kill each other over it. But I, from what I understand, there were fights. But it's really cool to see how our generation is taking those roots and moving forward. Yeah. Because you have people. Yeah, you have people like, uh, like you know, I used to play with Dylan Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and, like, like Co. obviously, Co. Wetzel is a incredible like credibly huge name in texas country and doing some rock stuff right now but like people like dylan wheeler cody west co wetzel and giovanni and the hired guns have all had their roots in country and have let their like newer inspirations of like warp tour music yeah yeah exactly um kind of shine through and like you have people like geo giovanni is on billboard right now with a song that is about a like Mexican singer Ramon Ayala, uh, and you have like that song, and there's also uh, there's I don't mind, and one other song overrated right now, and they are killing it, and they're they're about to play a show with Machine Gun Kelly and All Time Low, which is a fantastic lineup, by the way. Right, never in my life did I think I would see Giovanni and the Higher Guns on the same bill as. MGK and All Time Low, much less the fact that they just played Lollapalooza. Yeah. It's, it really just blows my mind to see how far we've come and how much our inspirations have widened the opportunities for musicians in Texas. Yeah. Personally, I've never been a huge fan of what I would call modern country. Right. Which would, I, would, I would say it's from like the 2000s forward. At least that's what I can speak to for modern country. I've yeah. always really enjoyed... George Strait, Conway Twitty, old school country. Yeah, I mean, I I know there's a plethora of people who would argue that, like, that's technically not old school country until you hit, like, probably, like, the 70s. But at the same time, for us, it's old school. Exactly. Degree. And really, when, when like, uh, it wasn't too long ago, I watched a YouTube video about this, but really it was, it's post 9-11 country music. That really just took everything off the rails. Yeah, and that's where I I really don't I haven't cared for radio country for a long time, but now, especially in the uh, Texas scene, I'm starting to really enjoy country again because they're bringing in outside influence from other genres. Right, and see for me, like I used to really hate this whole pop country movement. Absolutely, or everything like everything tied to it, like the hip hop into it. Um, I've recently kind of changed my mind. I'm not going to say I've done a full 180. Yeah. But uh, within the last few years, I've come across some really good songwriters in general, and it's given me a new perspective on the subject because for me, I've realized that there are people out there like us. And I think, I think the Texas scene has really opened my eyes to that. Mm -hmm. 
because you have people with multiple different influences and not everybody wants to play the same kind of music all the time. Yeah. So you have people like your Jelly Rolls or your like Ernest who like does that song Flower Shops. And Jelly Roll and Ernest both were really rappers when they started their career. Yeah. And Ernest wrote a lot of like Florida Georgia Line and uh maybe not a lot of Florida Georgia Line, but he he was kind of like he's buddies with those guys. Yeah. Uh I think he's written a few songs for him and uh he he's written quite a few songs that are on like modern Texas radio that have a hip hop influence. But if you're not behind the scenes on that, you just think that Texas or not Texas, but you think that the country scene has taken this wild hip hop movement. And when in all reality, it's coming from a few people who are just like, Hey, what if we wrote about these country subjects in a way that's relatable to us? Right. And I will say I've always very much enjoyed rap country i've always thought that was pretty cool i've liked it really oh yeah 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 i like the the beats and the dynamic they have in the songs yeah and i feel like it's country enough in the meaning and the lyrics behind it but it's presented in a more enjoyable way than radio country pop country has been right and in that same vein um there there may be some people who want to flame me for this uh, but I kind of feel the same way about bluegrass music, which is how I was raised mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of my dad's music. Because for me, I don't, I'm not going to say that bluegrass has died off completely, but for a long time, it was heading in a downhill direction. Definitely more of a relic for a while. Yes. And I think that stems from the fact that most of it, not all, mm-hmm. but a good chunk of it relies on like borrowed melodies from each other's songs. So you can have two songs that sound exactly the same with different lyrics. Yeah. Or you can have the same chord progression, which is essentially the same. It might just be slower, you know, faster, slightly different rhythm. Right, right. But most of these songs are built on the chords of G, C, and D at a mid-tempo or a high-tempo. Sometimes slow, but those are usually more fiddle, like murder ballad kind of songs. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing, is I can name most of it right there. Exactly. And... It's a it's an art form that has been around for, you know, decades, if not hundreds of years. Um, you know, really comes from the mixture of, like, you know, Irish music and some of, like, the African banjo music. Right. Uh, if you didn't know, banjo comes from Africa. Stop being racist. Um, but, uh, no, it's it's an art form that I think has died down a little bit because there's no innovation. And... If like if you are in that scene, which I know you're not, but yeah. as somebody who's tied to it, it's really weird that they want younger people to come into the like they want people to come into the fandom of bluegrass, but they get really offended when anybody tries to do anything new. Yeah, exactly. It's like you want you want your music to continue and move on, and people to be interested in it and it have a place in the music industry as a whole. But you don't want innovation. Right. And that's why like, I love people like Billy Strings who are doing bluegrass music, but it's mixed with like modern psychedelia and like rock music a little bit. He puts on a show show. Like, I kid you not. You can go to these bluegrass festivals that are on like life support. Oh, and yeah. my dad and I, like last year, maybe early this year, I think it was early this year, went to a Billy Strings show in Dallas. And there were 4,000 people there. Yeah, that's crazy for a bluegrass. 
that's unheard of. I mean, maybe not totally unheard of, but, but for, for one a long act, time, yeah, well, for one act versus a festival, mm-hmm. it's insane. Because like the bluegrass festivals I go with my dad. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of them. Maybe not tons, but I'm sure there's plenty of them that have good turnout. But my dad goes to one specific festival every year because he's only missed two of them in his entire life. And I can go there, and there's like a big, not quite amphitheater, yeah, but there's a big area where everybody can bring their lawn chairs and have have like a big, uh, like sitting area, and it's so sparse that you could play like games of soccer between people. <laughs> and when you're in that, like, venue with Billy Strings, yeah, you are packed in like a. You feel true like you're concert. at an actual concert, yeah. Yes, and there's something to be said about the festival climate. Like, yeah, you can lay back, you know, relax, enjoy a drink, whatever. That's cool, but if you want to see where the future of music is heading, look at your younger people. Yeah, and I can. I think that's really can be said for music as a whole, also. One hundred percent. I think it ties it all together. I think music for a long time, at least in my opinion, has been very stagnant, mm-hmm. at least in the the parts of music that were popular, quote unquote. I know there's been tons of innovation in underground scenes and lesser known artists because, you know, that's why I've had to dig to find music. Right. I actually enjoy because they get to. pushed to the side. Yeah. But I've, I've really been feeling lately all of that coming to the forefront. Yeah. And I mean... When I was in college, I wrote an article about this for a magazine that we did in the school. Uh, and the whole thing was how everything old is new again, and there's this like retroism that comes to the forefront every few years. And I really feel like that's coming through again, because if we go back to the aforementioned like Co, Dylan, especially Giovanni, like Giovanni right now is really like leading this specific movement, mm-hmm. but he sounds like a mixture of your two thousands, like three doors down hard rock yeah. on some songs. And there's other songs that are straight up early two thousands warp tour, blink One Eighty Two, some 41 sounding. And of course he has his country songs, like his truer country songs. Right. But it's so funny how, what we want to hear now is what we listen to as kids. So it's like a 20 year cycle. Yeah, exactly. Granted, of course, before those music, like those forms of music existed, there wasn't really a 20-year thing before that, except there was. The, like, the pop punk we grew up on in the 2000s was a like, progression of like 80s new wave punk plus old school punk. And you put those two together because a lot of 80s new wave punk was basically just pop music in the 80s. Exactly. And so you put those together, you have pop melodies with punk instrumentation. You have the pop punk we grew up on. Now, I would be lying if I didn't think that in 20 years – we're going to have a country rock rebirth because there's a guy named Warren Ziders blew up on TikTok. Kind of infamous. Some people loved him. Some people hated him. He had this thing with his voice where he would growl and you know, it was pretty divisive. But right now, Shit You Not is preparing to drop a song with Swaco. That would be interesting to hear. I've heard clips of it. I can't say I hate it. And so the fact that what we like what is going on here is now getting national attention. Yeah. And people are starting to team up and take punk music, pop production, rock and roll, and country. And you throw that together in a blender, it just it makes me happy to see where the future can go. Well, I think you brought up a good point there about 
why music felt stagnant for so long and then why now that it's finally starting to blossom a bit, Mm -hmm. I feel like we finally reached the point where everyone can get the exposure they need for new artists and new sounds to show up and be popular and people actually be able to hear them. Right, because now we have like self-management, self-promotion in the form of like Instagram, TikTok, and we don't have to rely on labels anymore or like strictly going to shows. It's like the internet age is fully here, and if you're not in people's faces, it's your own fault. Well, you used to have to either get on a radio station or know somebody or get produced and put on a record or a CD or things like that to actually have your music out there. Mm -hmm. But now you can do a clip of you playing part of your song. You can put a whole performance on YouTube. You can be yourself on Spotify and just put out the music you way you want it and actually get a lot of attention that way. Right. Like for my music right now, I could, you know, I can take, I would say, you know, I could, I could put a song online. Um, as long as you know how to do some basic production, you could make a, a decent demo. Yeah. You could post a clip of it to TikTok, especially if you just wanted to do, say, a verse and a chorus. Yeah. You wanted to get people's feelings on that. You make a, you make a small demo, post that to TikTok, unfortunately do the, you know, synced up like lip syncing lyric thing that everybody does because for some reason that gains views. Um, <laughs> it's an unfortunate necessary evil these days, but if you get good traction, you can go ahead and finish the song, which I mean, personally I would finish the song regardless, but this is a step you could take without having to really put in any crazy effort. Because if you know how to do some production and you have, let's say a decent, Mac, because those are the only computers I know of that have built in like digital audio workspace programs like GarageBand. You could produce a decent demo like Leon Bridges. If I'm not mistaken, his first album was mostly GarageBand, which is mind blowing. Yeah, that's the that's the second thing. Besides just the access to exposure you have nowadays, the access to tools you have. So many production things are free as long as you want to learn how to use them properly. And if you really want clear, concise sounds and more control over the way your song comes out, then you can just spend a little bit of money and then you have the license. Right. And see, the thing is, is it takes a lot of discipline. Um, You know, it's not just going to happen. The unfortunate part is, yeah, you probably have school, you probably have a job, but if you're going to do this on your own, you are the artist, you are the manager, you are the mixer, you are the editor, you are everything. Exactly. And that probably means losing some sleep and that probably means like cutting some time away from other things. Yeah. Like you might not see your friends as often. You might not see your significant other as much as you want to. Your family might be like, Hey, get out of your room. But if this is what you really want, you really have to go after it. And I'm talking to myself here too, because I'm lazy as shit about that. (laughs) But if you if you can put forth a little bit of money, like save it up, buy yourself a, a decent Mac. I mean, you could do it on a on a Windows PC, whatever you wanted to do, but you're also going to have to buy a program. But a Mac can get you there. Um, if you do that, like I'm on DistroKid right now, and I think for like a year, I can upload anything I want for like eighty bucks. Exactly, and you have the option of sending it to every streaming service possible 
and even ones that come up after the fact you've uploaded it. It'll it automatically searches for new ones and like registers it there. Yeah. So for let's say I mean I know it's a, a lot to ask but like roughly 2 grand maybe if that because I mean I'm sure you could you can probably buy a decent Mac these days. I don't know their prices. You can get them used or you know. Yeah, I mean you could probably you could probably get the smallest one for like 1300 or something like that. Mm. Buy a hard drive with it, I would say. And then you can go online and find like if you don't want to use GarageBand, you can find like like a, you know, microphone and a preamp and stuff like that for you know, a couple hundred bucks. Char- like, you know, couple that with DistroKid, YouTube University, that shit on the production side. Oh yeah. And for probably around two grand, you have your own studio. I'm not gonna promise it's gonna sound great, but the more work you put into learning, the better, the better it will it'll sound. sound. Yep. And it still may not sound super great depending on, you know, your workspace. Like you might not have the greatest equipment or the greatest room to record in. But I think people appreciate the rawness more than they do the polishness. And I'm not saying necessarily even in production but like, if it's you're, the intent if, behind it, not the yeah, finished product. Yeah, I mean, you have people like Zach Bryan right now. He's a he's a pretty big country dude from Oklahoma, and he got famous by posting just acoustic videos on YouTube, and I think TikTok as well. And his just like his pure talent is what got him there. And people like if you don't have the nicest stuff, people can still tell that you have talent there and the more they listen to you, the more you can go play shows, the more you might be able to get some money off streaming and there's more money to invest in more equipment or even like move it out of your bedroom and go to a proper studio. Yeah. You can even rent out a space. Of course. I mean, granted if you're out here, it's a little bit harder because like the, although the music industry is huge, our towns aren't built on music yet. Mm -hmm. Um, this isn't like Nashville light out here, unfortunately. But I mean, I can tell you, I know of a few people off the top of my head who have a studio space that, you know, as long as you know how to ask the right questions and know the right people and you can network, you can probably find a spot. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of like office workspaces now that oh, yeah. rent out rooms that are soundproof rooms. And you, you just need to go grab one of those for a day or two, get yeah. all your recording done, and then you do all the production at home. Yeah, take all your take all your instruments, do all your tracking, take all your equipment, get it all done, go home, do your production, and you're good. Exactly. Which honestly, I don't know if you I mean, I'm sure you do know this, uh, but like that's a lot of the podcasts you see on YouTube, especially like the expensive ones, like the really high budget, you know, you have video cameras and stuff like that out there. There's like they all use like the same places. They just have like different it's almost like a movie set. Oh, you yeah. have different rooms, but I guarantee you, like I mean, obviously Joe Rogan's in Austin, but like Theo Vaughn is in a room with like the King and the Sting, which I mean obviously Theo Vaughn's part of. But like all those places are like different rooms in the same place. Matter yeah, of yeah, fact, you there was an episode backdrops. Well, not even that. Like you can buy a room and you can like yeah, you know, like Theo Vaughn has his like, uh, he had his painted wall. Yeah, that was yeah, like yeah. all Simpsons characters for a long time. Um, and there was an episode where he was like, he kind of like let it slip that there was somebody next door recording a podcast as well over there. 
but yeah, those places definitely exist. You can you can go get your work done. Like I'm not going to say there's no excuse because of course there are things that come up. And you know, some people are legitimately in poverty. But for a good majority of people, if it's there's a doable. will, there's a way. It's doable. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I recently took a trip on an airplane for the first time. How was that, by the way? You know, uh, it was not nerve-wracking. I wasn't necessarily nervous. I was more anxious to go ahead and get on the plane and get it all done. It's the build-up? Yeah, it was the build-up. I wasn't worried about flying on the plane. I was more worried about going through TSA and the check-in process at the airport. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, there's... There's a lot of hype around that, like, that's been built up and a lot of, like, I guess, anxiety. You know, I just, I know there's a process. I just didn't know what the process was going to be. Yeah. But all, I didn't know how, you know, you leave your car there over the weekend. I didn't know how all that was going to work. But I got to say, it was all really easy. There's nothing to it as long as, you know, if you're smart about it and you just pack the way you need to, mm-hmm. there's really nothing to worry about. You get through it all pretty quick. Uh, I gotta say, I would definitely, I'm definitely considering next time I fly, pay a little more for a little nicer seat. Absolutely. Especially the longer flights. Sitting three deep is okay, but I would like a little more room on a plane. Yeah, for sure. And see, like, if you can help it, definitely try to, uh take everything in a carry-on as far as clothes. That's how we packed for our trip. Yeah. Everything in a carry-on, throw it above your head, and you're good to go. You can even have the carry-on, and you can have a bag under your chair as well. Yeah, and, like, that's honestly a lifesaver because then you don't have to worry about a checked bag. Yeah, and see, like, I had to fly out all the way up to Minnesota for a wedding, so I fit a whole, you know, groomsman suit in there and all my clothes for the weekend and everything else. And it was a lot more space than I thought. It was not as hard as I thought it was going to be to pack in that bag. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm surprised you packed in like a suit in a carry-on and it didn't like go to total shit. No, no. You just fold it up a little bit. It was in a little bag. They sent it to me in the mail-in, you know. Cool. And it all fit really nicely. Huh. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, Like what I think is interesting is like you said something about having anxiety a little bit about flying because you didn't know what to expect. Could you imagine having to do that alone? Oh yeah. It it was a, that would not have been possible alone. Cause when I got on the plane for the first time to go up there, uh, somebody had already filled up the section above my seating and I had no idea where to put my bag. I didn't realize you could just put it anywhere. (laughs) I was like, no, this is the spot where I'm supposed to put it. Why is it already filled up? But you can just throw that anywhere. Oh yeah. It's like, People, like, I've seen people throw instruments in there. I mean, because obviously it makes a lot more sense than having somebody just throw around a guitar case. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you just kind of have to make do with what room you have. Yeah, but the the second time flying back to Texas, it was absolute cake. It was nothing. I can imagine. Man, what's wild, though, is, like, I remember uh, my family and a friend of mine's family went to Mexico in, I think, 2005 or six. And I feel really bad for my dad because I know my dad will never fly again if he can help it because he has this problem where when he gets in a plane – I was actually telling somebody about this today. Um, you know, when, when the plane's rising, you have this pressure in your ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't release that pressure. Mm. And so the entire time that we're driving – he or not driving, flying – 
he was like, it felt like I had ice picks in my ears. Like, it was just so much pressure. It yeah. Hurt. And everything, he tried to, like, yawn. He tried to chew gum. He tried to do everything that everybody tells you to do. And his ears would just not release that pressure. And he was in so much pain for that. Like, I think it was, like, two, three-hour flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine that would be bad. I personally have no problem popping my ears. My ears pop just sitting here. Yeah. And same. I swallow when they pop. Yeah. So it was not a problem for me at all. I really enjoyed being in the air. I liked when they did the uh, turns and everything in the airplane, and you kind of tilt. You don't feel the tilt at all, though. No. If you look out the window, you'll be, like, at a 45-degree angle, and you'll be like, oh, I don't notice. Yeah, like, you can be almost at 90 degrees, and you feel like you're upright. Yeah, it's really nice. And looking out the window, experience, you know, you watch a video or whatever, and it's like, oh, that's so neat. But actually experiencing being that high up in the air is a really cool experience. Isn't it really cool to fly through a cloud? Yes, and I like it when you get above the clouds and you're, like, going over a sea of white. Yes, it's amazing. It's, like, planes do kind of freak me out just because, like, if it goes down, you're kind of screwed. But when you're up there, it's so beautiful. Absolutely, and see, that was always my my thing. I was never, like, scared to fly before this. But I was always, I always had that thought in the back of my head. I'm not scared to fly, scared to crash. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I'm not scared of heights. I'm scared of falling. But uh, it's, it's really not bad once you're up there, and you really just have to resign yourself to the fact that you know whatever happens, it's not in my control right now. So why would I be worried about it? Yeah, like there's things you can do to mitigate the risk. I guess like you know you're not take a plane. I guess. I well, mean... yeah, but I mean you know they have their safety precautions and stuff. But like no, yeah, but you can't do anything. Oh no, I mean you can only do what they've instructed you to do. But you know it depends on how Put bad that crash is going to be. Yeah, like you can only hope for the best. <laughs> right, and we like we had some turbulence going up there and everything, and it really you it wasn't that, it wasn't that big of a deal to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk about this because I heard Michael on uh, Stiff Socks talk about this. There's a website that you can go on. I'd have to go look at the name, but don't if you can if you can help it and you can like not have to take a carry on. There's a website that you could do that gets you cheaper flights because what it does is let's say you have a flight from Dallas to New York and you're trying to get to Chicago. But what they'll do is the flight will go from Dallas to Chicago, Chicago, New York. And what it does, it'll like get you that, like, it'll get you a seat on that flight essentially, but you get the cheaper flight because you're not actually traveling to Dallas to Chicago, which would be more expensive. You're doing one of those layover flights. And because it's a layover, it gets cheaper. And so you just get off in Chicago and you don't reboard the plane. Yeah, I have seen that before. And like, that just seems so genius. Apparently, though, there are like some airlines that if they catch you doing that, especially if you're like a rewards member with them, you can get like I was banned. about to say I've heard they've been really cracking down on that lately though. But I also have heard there's plenty of people that still use it, but I think a part of that is just not being part of a rewards program or like being registered with a certain mm-hmm. thing. You just kinda like do it on the DL. Or if you do, you don't use it as like you use it as During a guest. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I mean, honestly, ingenious idea. And I gotta say not sponsored, but uh, looking on the airlines' websites and the hotels that we were going to get, uh-huh. their websites, versus we just booked everything through Travelocity. Oh, yeah. And it was so much easier, and it actually – I didn't book it all at once. Like, I booked my flight probably two months out, yeah. and then we booked our hotel and everything, like, a couple days before. 
mm-hmm. and it actually like puts it all in an itinerary for you and like makes a travel schedule for That's you. That's cool. It was really nice. It's like here's this trip that clearly goes together because of all the things you've done in the same day. Huh. See like I haven't used Travelocity, at least not to my knowledge. Uh but when I was in college I used uh Trivago to get this hotel. Uh I went to Tulsa for a uh like a concert thing that I was covering for my college. And it was it was really wild because like I've heard of all these like discounting websites or like they try mm-hmm. to get you the best yeah. deal in the room. But it was so wild to be like nineteen years old driving five hours to a state I'd I don't think I'd ever been to Oklahoma yet. Actually I had one time when I was like probably like seven with my dad. Yeah. Uh but like as an adult on my own, driving five hours and this hotel, I didn't know anything about it. It's a double tree, which is like owned by Hilton. Yeah. And is I don't know if I'd call it like their swanky like mm-hmm. side, but it's definitely really nice. Like I like as a nineteen year old like paying, I think it's like, no Motel Six. God no, it was like probably one hundred eighty two hundred bucks uh, for two nights. Yeah, and like you walk in this place, and it has one of those like double like archway uh, staircases. Mm-hmm. You go check in at the front desk, and the like the lady's checking me in. She's super sweet. And offers me complimentary cookies. Okay, okay, okay. Now that you've said that, I was about to tell you about the hotel. Okay. And uh, I can't remember the name of it. I would have to go look it up. But it was in St. Paul is Mm -hmm. where we stayed. And uh, I found it interesting. You actually – the elevator on the ground floor, you know, the check-in floor Mm -hmm. with the front desk and everything, you actually had to scan your key card to activate the elevator on that floor. Cool. No other floor you had to. But we went in and we couldn't check in until 3 but we had all the wedding stuff, like mm-hmm. the uh, the rehearsal, yeah, rehearsal and the dinner and everything at like one forty five, right? Yeah. So we didn't go to the hotel at all. We went through all that. We didn't get there until like seven, eight at night to go check in, and uh, they gave us free water bottles and cookies, and I'd never had that happen before. Oh yeah, they gave me water too. Yeah, it's it's really wild. Like I've I've definitely been in like hotels where they like in the lobby. Uh, matter of fact, in College Station, uh, when I was playing music with Dylan, there was this really cool hotel that had like, I guess I'll call it fancy water, but it was like, it had like mint, cucumbers, and strawberries in it. Yeah. It it felt like I was in a different tax bracket. Oh, yeah. But it was it was like, you know, like a stay bridge in or something, mm-hmm. but it was really nice. And like, they'll have like a tray of cookies or something out. But like, to specifically be asked... Do you want like these free complimentary cookies? And here's like a hotel branded water bottle that we can obviously afford to just have in cases. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that was like, huh, interesting. And to like see people walking up these like elegant ass stairs, and you're like, this feels like something way more expensive than I should ever be able to afford. Oh, you have no idea. So when we when we did the bachelor party mm-hmm. for the for the wedding, you know, we did the bachelor party a few months ago, and we went to uh, Dallas, and we stayed in a four star hotel. And it was the most expensive hotel I've ever stayed in. It had an entire museum and it had a water park as part of the hotel like a mini water park that is nuts it was an entire museum they had a giant it was probably half a football field long sculpture thing hanging from the ceiling 
It was the most fancy place I have ever been to. It was an insane experience. One of those things where you're like scared to touch anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, what's also weird about this hotel thing? Uh, I have some friends that live in San Antonio, mm-hmm. and her mom. Uh, I honestly can't remember what she does off the top of my head. Sorry if you're listening to this. Uh, but she, uh. I think it's with Hilton specifically that she is like a member of like, I think a black card. Yeah. Which by the way, here black card in anything you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's wild. She checks in like, uh, using her, like her mom's account or whatever. They welcome her like, like differently than you would welcome a normal guest. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they have like this whole room and like, like Dedicate, a special section? Yeah, where you can just go get, like, snacks and stuff. Nice. I was going to say, can we talk about uh, what I have a problem with hotels is that there is nothing to drink. They don't offer you, like, water or anything, like, in the room. Like, you can't just get a cup of water, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess you can uh, if you use, like, those little coffee cup things and you just go get some out of the bathroom sink. Yeah, but, but, like, but who like, wants to do that? Yeah, it's a bathroom sink, and I think they charge you for the cup if you open the cup. Most of them don't nowadays, at least. And then, like, the only way you can get water, the only way we could get water at this four-star hotel was to go down to the vending machine and spend, like, a buck twenty-five on a bottle of water whenever we got thirsty. Yeah, see, like, I was going to say, you can get drinks and snacks, but they're in vending machines that cost probably double what you would have to pay anywhere else. Exactly. It's like, why would you do this? I spent so much money to stay here. Just let me drink some water. I will say, though, uh, there's only been one hotel I've been to that's, like, provided drinks, and that's when we went to Mexico. Mm -hmm. But you bet your ass they're charging you for every single one you drink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it ain't cheap. No. Uh, we had like we had a mini fridge that was stocked full of water, mineral water, uh, <clears throat> I believe carbonated water as well, which I mean usually is mineral water like Topo Chico. Yeah, but it was like the mini cans of Coke and the mini cans of Sprite, the mixers. Yeah, because they wanted you to have like a little mini bar, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe they actually did have some liquor in as well, but I can't give you a solid answer on that. Yeah, a long time ago. I'm but sure. the funny thing is though, if you're not drinking. Then, if you want a decent amount of Coke or a decent amount of Sprite, you're going to drink more than one of those. And so every can that has to be replaced, you're getting charged for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is funny because each can costs probably about as much as the whole package did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's how they – that's a little nickel and dime you. Oh, absolutely. I just – I really miss that vacation specifically, though. Um, the first time I went parasailing. Ooh, fun. Yeah. Uh, terrifying, but awesome. Um, I remember almost dying in a Chevy express van, uh, because the road rules out there, uh, you don't have them Uh, (laughs) make it work. Yeah. Uh, we were on our way to the parasailing experience and it was just a little dirt back road, which I honestly, you know, kind of was a little worried we were going to get killed on uh not in a car crash just get killed um but the thing is there's like these crops or like huge things of grass that like line the road so you can't really see yeah what's around yeah, yeah, the yeah. corner and as we're like hauling ass around this dirt road corner comes a shuttle bus mm. 
and there's not really room for both of us on the road. <laughs> so our van driver and the bus driver just somehow like scoot over just a little bit enough for Straight us. Straight past, yeah, dude. Shit myself. I know it. Can't I don't put a sheet of paper in between the two cars. Yeah, like I, I probably peed myself a little. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrifying. Now, you know, I would have, I would love to go explore like Mexico proper, like not, not resort town Mexico. I would love that if I wasn't so worried about it. But to say, if I wasn't as white, yes, then maybe. Um, because I think it'd be cool to go see the history. That's, I really want to go visit like the monuments down there. Absolutely. The old stuff in the jungles. Yeah, like the pictures and stuff. I mean, I'm sure they're great, but like I'm, I'm also sure they don't do it justice. Oh, yeah. You can look at any, any kind of attraction or place and in pictures and you can think, oh, that looks so cool. But as soon as you get there, it's a whole different experience feeling it with your five senses in person. Oh, 100%. Like, there's something about like breathing in that, like, not necessarily mountain air, but like the aura. Yeah. Like I was saying mountain air because the thing I was comparing it to was my trip to Tennessee whenever I was younger. Oh but yeah. Like, I took a trip to Tennessee. It same. is different air. Yeah. It's like, you're really taking in the location. You take yes. in everything about that place. You're really and feeling it and experiencing it's it. It's so weird because it's so foreign. It's, it's odd how just your senses can tell that you're somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not like a, I'm somewhere else, and this is scary. It's usually like, this is just a new experience. No, you usually get like an amp out of it. Yeah. Um, it's wild, too, because like I remember that just traveling to like West Texas mm-hmm. for like playing music. And like the, like the climate and the air, like still within the state of Texas, is just so different. Yeah, just getting away from the Gulf. Yeah. Yeah, like... Even actually, we uh, we were in Port Aransas one time, mm-hmm. and there's, the air is just so humid. Oh yes, and because it was like probably September, mm-hmm. and it was just like you could walk outside and it felt like you we're just took sweating. a shower in your clothes. Yep. You know? And then West Texas is a drier heat, but I just felt like I don't know. I felt like stuffy the whole time and kind of hot, but like not in our East Texas hot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause we kind of have this weird, I don't know if I'd say a blend of both, but like, it's not as humid as Port Aransas, but it's not as dry. It mixes in a very either super comfortable or very uncomfortable way. And we don't yeah. really have a middle ground between the two. It just shoots East back Texas, and forth. East Texas is either heaven or hell. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes both in the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Hour <laughs> to hour. No, I took a uh, I took a trip to New Mexico one time to uh, Philmont, and I hiked through the mountains for two weeks. Yeah, and let me tell you what: when we hiked up to the top of the mountains, and you could see all the way into the other states and everything. Yeah, that air up there is the crispest, most chef's kiss air I've ever had. Really? Yo, it was fantastic. It was superb, and it's even better because you've been like exerting yourself and like hiking up all these trails all day to get to the top of the mountains. Yeah. So it's like really, really good, dude. I once went on a trip to the ass crack of America, aka Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, won't ever do that again with the expectation of having a great time, <laughs> because let me tell you, my sweat was sweating. Oh yeah, the Everglades, man. We weren't even in the Everglades. This was just Destin. 
No, no, it, it permeates the whole state. It I bleeds mean, out. I'll just take that as face value just because I want to believe you're right. But, yeah, uh, I remember uh, one of our high school friends uh, went with me. And, dude, that whole feeling of, like, taking a shower with your clothes on amplified by, like, five. See, I also took a trip down to Destin one time with uh, one of our high school friends' families. And uh, we went to the – we stayed at the condo, like, on the beach. Yeah. And uh, it was – it was a little warm. But it was really nice to like be and ride on the beach, yeah. Because the ocean breeze would hit you, so it felt nice the whole time. See, being on the beach was fine. Yeah, exactly. But being anywhere that's not like an immediate beach around you, mm-hmm. kill me. Yes, yes. Um, no, like I remember. Um, yeah, being on the beach was nice. We like when you go into town. Like I don't know if it's just something about the sun. Or, like, I, I guess it's the humidity and the sun. But, like, it just beats the absolute shit out of you. Oh, yeah. You get tired just existing. Oh, yeah. 100%. I remember going to the hotel and just, like, passing out. It saps your energy. Dude, I'll say this. That hotel we were at, it had, like, I mean, I wouldn't really call it a resort. It had, like, a, like, I wouldn't call it a water park either, but, like, a nice pool. Yeah, yeah. And at that pool is the only place my phone has ever overheated to the point where I could not use it. <laughs> very so, cool. No, opposite. Very, <laughs> very not cool. Very hot. But you know where I would absolutely love to go? And I, like it's still on my bucket list of places to visit. Where is that? Colorado. Colorado would be really fun. I really want to go in the mountains in Colorado. Absolutely. Um... I also really want to go see the giant redwood trees. Like in the redwood forest? Yes. That's actually another thing I was just talking to that same person about today about, like, flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad has said for a long, long time that one of the things he wants to do is go to the redwood forest because he's like, first off, you know, it's not, like, dead. But, like, you know, it's with every, everything going on, like, our population growth and stuff, it gets smaller and smaller. I mean, it is a national All park. All the fires, too. Yeah, like, it, you know, it is a national park, but, yeah, like, fires happen, people happen, and, like, you know, naturally people are just kind of shit for, you know, the wilderness. Uh, so, like, he's like, before it goes away and before I get too old, one of these days I really want to go to the Redwood Forest. And I was like, dude, if you're going... You're telling me, because I don't care what kind of pay cut I have to take, I'm going. I just love me some big trees. I just want to I wanna put my body against the big tree and see how big it really is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, it's wild that they have, like, entire houses built out of one log. Yeah, yeah, and you can drive, your, you can drive multiple lanes of traffic through some of the trees. Yeah, it's so cool. Like, I don't know, there's, that's kind of what I was saying. Like, there's so much, like, natural beauty in the world. Yeah, I really and, just want to go walk through it and experience it all. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, I remember there's a band that I listened to that, like, they rented out an entire, uh, they rented out an entire, like, house to record one of their records in a town called Gualala, which is also up in the northern area. Mm-hmm. And so you have that Pacific Northwest kind of, like, beach where it's, like, less sandy and more rocky. Yeah. But, like, you have this beautiful sunset view. And, dude, let me tell you, it's, like, just in the videos I've seen, it looks ridiculous. Now, pair that with a redwood forest. Oh, I know. Like, 
thing. Like, just give me. I always said that if I had to live in another state besides Texas, which, you know, I want to live in Texas. But right. if I had to pick a second one, I would want to move to Washington. Interesting choice. Why? Because uh, it's really rainy and cloudy there, and I don't like the sun. You depressing ass. I don't bitch. like the sun. The sun makes me tired when I wake up, and it's a nice, bright, sunshiny day. I'm all groggy, and it takes me forever to get out of bed. But if I wake up and it's all rainy, and there's it's clouds out, and it's all dark and musky, I have the most energy of my entire life. See. I get that way from time to time. I just could not do it as the norm. I'm, I'm. That's just the way my body is. I'm built different. I don't. I don't know what to say. I'm built different. Yeah, I really am. I got that dog in me. I, I got the. <laughs> I got the rain dog in me. Damn. See, like, <laughs> I think if there was another like state for me to live in, it would have to be like a Colorado or a Tennessee. Yeah. I mean. There's part of me that would want, like, the beach, but I think as for, like, what I would, like, truly thrive in, I think Tennessee and Colorado are, one, the most like Texas. Mm-hmm. Also probably have, like, similar climates depending on where you're at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tennessee probably more so than Colorado. Right. But you have a similar landscape, uh, just as beautiful views, and... You know, there's an obvious perk of Colorado. Uh, but, um, you know. Hey, Washington, too. I mean, yeah, but that's not on my list, okay? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think they're both really cool places. You, you both have, like, a, a mixture of rural and, like, urban areas that are really cool. Like, you have, like, the cities of, like, Denver and Boulder versus, like, oh, I, your mountains I, like, roommate from Boulder that you're talking about? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um and then if you go to Tennessee, you have, like, your Nashville, your Memphis, and you also have, like, your, like, uh, not Rocky, because that was Colorado, but your Smoky Mountains. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been to Nashville and a couple other places yeah. in uh, Tennessee, and like, it's really nice. It's really nice. Yeah, we've both been to Gatlinburg. That's yeah. ridiculous. I love uh, Gatlinburg, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge. Gatlinburg is so much fun, and I, I've only been there on, like, school trips, and I really want to go back, like, now as an adult and just have free reign in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Right here, right now, episode one of My Boss is a Dick. Should we make a trip to Gatlinburg? We should definitely get a trip together in because the next year or so. I would love nothing more. It's just so much fun. All the attractions are great. Do you remember riding the ski lift up to the top of the mountain where the ice oh, is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the ski good. lift, the Ripley's Museum down there, the yep. cars, the car museum. Uh huh. Like the star cars. Yes, it's so good. Uh, I really love. There's like a little, uh, like a bazaar type market, but it's like down below street level. You can mm-hmm. go to there. I love haggling down there with all the people. It's so much fun to haggle. I just remember <laughs> we were at this Mexican restaurant out there called. It was literally called No Way Jose's. Yeah, and uh. Once we walked out, like, my parents were, like, a little taken aback because that was, like, one of the first times they'd ever seen, like, a gratuity added onto a bill. Oh, yeah. Or at least one of the first times I remember them talking about that kind of thing. And they were complaining about it so much. And, like, of course, you know, they did it because what other option do you have? But the second we walk out of that restaurant, a bird shits on my mom's head. (laughs) And... That will never leave my memory. <laughs> also, the Ripley's Aquarium is out there. That was really See, cool. I've not been to the Ripley's Aquarium, but I would love to. That was amazing. I love the actual museum, though. 
Yeah, I remember. Uh, so me and Dusty both have pictures um, at the Ripley's Museum in front of the big ass piranha tank. Mm. And there's piranhas just like sitting there showing their teeth at us. And like they're not like paintings, they're not like digital, like they were actual real piranhas. Yeah, yeah. Super cool. Man, it's so wild that Thanksgiving's coming up so soon. I know. It feels like the year has flown by. No joke. I I seriously feel like it was summer like two days ago, and then here I am like, oh crap, we're almost done with a year. Week to week is going by exponentially Dude, fast. You know, they there's this theory that like, you know, or I guess maybe not a theory, but it's a great analogy. Just hit my face with a microphone. Uh but where it's like, you know, time seems to get shorter as we go because we're given this finite, let's say, pie chart, right? Yes. And so year one is the whole pie. And then year two, you cut that in half. And so like as like as time goes on, you take a new slice out of that pie. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. And so you know, everything seems to go like boom, boom, boom. And what's scary is that we're not even 30 yet. And like, I'm no longer counting things by the days. I'm counting them by the weeks because I'm like, well, that's only like two more sleeps. And then I get to go to the show or I get to go out of town. Or yeah, something. Then, it, then it's the weekend and this thing happens. Yeah. And I'm like, well, especially because, I mean, for those of you who don't know, like Kane and I have been friends since we were before we were born, really, because our parents yeah, were friends. That's what and like now we, we work together. Um, but like, I, I think of things on your schedule now. Um, hopefully people that we work with don't find this. Um, but what I'm going to say is like the days that you're at work go by faster because I have more fun. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's like, if, if something's on a Saturday or a Friday, I'm like, man, okay. You know, all I have to do is make it through tomorrow. Kane's going to be there. Uh, that's cool. And then that just means that I got to, you know, do today, get up tomorrow, make it through work. And then I'm free to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like we were talking about with Thanksgiving coming up, you really focus more on milestones and not day to day stuff anymore. Yeah. Like from, like I said, it's like, it's like week to week because it feels like a week, like in the day, it feels like the day goes by, you know, pretty slow. But then you wake up and it's Wednesday and you're like, where did those three days go? Yeah, yeah. At the end of the night and the next morning you wake up and you think about how yesterday went, what all you did. And it's like, I, I didn't have time to do anything. Yeah. Thanksgiving is in like two weeks and it might as well be tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And I got and you know, especially here at the end of the year, there's so many holidays back to back. Dude, I'm not even like mentally prepared for Black Friday. Black Friday is amazing, and I love Black Friday personally. I mean, I'll say this. I used to hate Black Friday, or at least not hate it, but, like, I used to have this, like, feeling about it because you used to see, like, people killing each other over, like, Tickle Me Elmo. Yeah. Uh, but now it's become more of, like, hey, everybody line up at Best Buy. Tell me what you want. You're getting in one at a time. Like, you know, I know there's a lot of people that go to Black Friday because they want to see all the drama and the chaos, and that's fine. But we now live in a world where people like to get trigger happy, and that's kind of terrifying. Um, but like, if we're talking about like purely for the deals, it's pretty cool to just be like, Hey, we're going to get in a line at Best Buy. And yeah, that kind of sucks still, but it's like, you know, you're going to get guaranteed what you came for. I always loved Black Friday because me and mom used to actually like get up and do Black Friday when it was like first a thing, like yeah. really started getting really popular. You'd have to get up and go to the store at like 2 AM. I always thought that was so much fun to get up and like drive. In the yeah. It's an of event. The night. Yeah. 
See, and like, I totally get that because like for like concerts and stuff, because you know, as big of a music person as I am, like I'm definitely the kind of person that's like, yeah, I you know, I look forward to things as an event. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Friday is just not one of them for me. <laughs> I've always loved it. It's definitely different now than it used to be. Most places don't even open up in the AM hours anymore. Like they wait until like almost regular opening hours, if not regular opening hours, to yeah. open up. And I think that's probably probably for the better and as a whole. But I gotta say, it used to be really fun to get up and do that. Yeah. Um, see, the only thing I've ever really gotten up for. Uh, this is gonna sound pretty like lame i guess but i used to get up early uh back in like the summers when my dad would work because there would be times that he'd be like hey guess what be like what he'd be like tomorrow i get to go to like mississippi yeah and it'd be like a one-day trip it's like hey i'm driving to mississippi and i'm turning around and coming back yeah oh yeah and so it's like well i'm not gonna be gone all week do i want to go on a road trip tomorrow absolutely and so I'd be excited. And any other day of the week, if I was in school, you could not get me up before, like, 7.30. Oh, absolutely. But you bet your sweet ass if my dad was like, hey, you got to be up at 4.15. I was like, you bet. Yeah, road trips are my favorite way to travel. I absolutely love a good road trip. 100%. No, but, uh, yeah, the feeling of having something to do like a reason to get up that's like a fun reason cuz like when we were in elementary school I would like get up out of bed when my parents would wake me up and I would go lay on the couch in the living room mm-hmm. and basically fall back asleep and like a mom would have to like dress me cuz I would just be passed out still <laughs> that sounds about right see and that's kind of the thing with my dad too is like we would go on these trips and like I'd probably sleep for a good hour or so of it because like i'm still tired oh yeah but like i'd probably still be back up before the sun rises yeah and then like you know we we might have made it to like louisiana if we're going to mississippi like we probably in shreveport or something yeah yeah i mean the first the first little bit's not that important you see that all the time yeah but then i'm up and then like we stop at a gas station and then you know i get to like eat the things that i'm not supposed to normally so i get like these donuts and a coke and i'm all jacked up on sugar Oh yeah. It's always fun to me because like we're not big we're not a big morning family. So like getting up and going to do something like on a trip or something or you have something special you got to go get done early. It's like extra it, special. It's always fun to like go to a fast food place and get breakfast items. Which by the way, speaking of, my dad's a big fan of uh, McDonald's breakfast. Yeah, McDonald's we, in the morning is a different place. We that was always me and mom's thing. If we had to go anywhere in the morning, we would get McDonald's breakfast. The pa- the pancake platters. Yeah, and what's wild is watching. Like I don't know if they still do it anymore. Especially, well, before they were digital boards, it was so wild to watch them like manually change out. Yes, and they would roll over. Yes, that was always so much fun. See, like. I love the progression of technology, but like not on everything. There's certain like old school things like that that I just would love to bring back. Right, right. At least like a like a tra- like a slide so transition type style. Yeah, like let me watch it change. I don't want it to like blink and you miss it, you know? Yeah, well nowadays it doesn't even really blink. It's always just always up there. Yeah, they actually have, like, it is. Static menus now, yeah. Yeah, it's a digital menu, but it's more like a picture that just stays mm-hmm. there and it'll just be like <laughs> 
this is not offered between the hours of 11 and 11. Exactly. Ugh. I am of the personal belief that every single place that offers breakfast should have all-day breakfast. Yeah, because, like, I mean, you never know anybody's schedule. I, granted, I understand. It's not super profitable because, like, you know, you're probably losing money. But on the same token, you're probably making enough money that it doesn't matter that much. I would argue that you would make more money because more people would come there to get a variety of different items. I I agree to a degree. Uh, but at the same time, like, I get what they're saying, though. It's like some of those things can't be prepared together, so they have to, like, clean the grill, reduce this and that. It's like, yeah, but Waffle House exists. Yeah, and you know what I say to that? That sounds like corporate America's problem, and I'm tired of them making it mine. I know that's a joke, but you're right. <laughs> but, like, if Waffle House can serve the things that it serves, I granted it's mostly breakfast, but you you do have other meals there. But if you can serve all of that with a waitress that has all of three teeth, and it looks like and a fucking meth den. And three fights in the parking lot. Yeah. That the cook is a part of. Which, by the way... Funny you mentioned that. One night after leaving Silver Saloon and Terrell, we go across the interstate to this uh, Waffle House there. Literally a fight happening in front of the front door. And I <laughs> kid you not, they stop the fight to let us walk in. Yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> you go to Waffle House for a variety of reasons, and everyone there, no matter what reason they're there for, understands you know, you still gotta you still gotta let people in, you gotta let people have their reasons. That same night, by the way, <laughs> our bass player at the time goes over to McDonald's and buys twenty McChickens and brings them back to our hotel room. We eat maybe three of them. They sit out overnight. And then the next day, we still have them, and we still ate them. Because oh, guess absolutely. what? At McDonald's, there's so many preservatives in that food. They're not going bad. Oh, no. Little Caesars Pizza, you can leave out on the counter for literally a week and eat it just all week off the counter. I don't want to test that theory, but I've, I've done, done it. I've tested it. Whew. It works. I mean, I, I don't doubt it. I just don't know if I want to like put my stomach through that. I remember when Burger King first came out with the uh, like ten chicken nuggets for like a buck forty nine. That is so suspect. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but I remember when they first came out with it. Me and a mutual friend of ours uh, went to the Burger King like a couple of days after it happened, and we because they were so cheap, you know. Is this we, person an old roommate of yours? Yes. Okay. And uh, we bought. 300 chicken nuggets and took them back to his house and dumped them out on the ping pong table and we ate maybe like 30. <laughs> See, it's funny you say that cuz some friends and I had this idea to get a bunch of uh Chick-fil-A points mm -hmm. and there's like a towards the end of the list there's like I think it's like is it 30 nuggets you can get? Yeah, it's like free? a platter, yeah. Yeah, and uh we were all going to get like at the that same time and just have a feast. Yeah. But yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. any of us has held up to that challenge because it's just 
so many times you have to go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> you do have to do a lot. Of, when I see people who are like Chick-fil-A, like platinum status and stuff, and you look at the amount of money you have to spend at Chick-fil-A to get to that status, it's like, oh my god. Yeah, like. There's some Chick-fil-A fanatics out there. Oh, absolutely. I am currently a silver member <laughs> as of right I now. I think it's also what I am. I think the highest one's like red red member. And you're like, if you get to that point, they'll like, if you ever go to their Highest one is signature plant, member. Highest yeah. one is signature yeah, member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever get there, they offer you a free tour of like their like processing plant and everything because you spent so much money with them. That's nuts. Yeah, red member is right underneath signature. Yeah, but with signature you get eight ounce sauces. By the way, not sponsored. I know that's kind of a joke. You you said not sponsored earlier, but also kind of like no shit. This is episode one. Yeah, but like, um, you can get eight ounce sauces. You can get iced tea. You can get lemonade or the thirty count nugget. Um, that's kind of wild to me. Three thousand points for thirty nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the amount of points you have to have to unlock that status to begin with to have those as options. Yeah, isn't that like a thousand points a nugget? Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah. Or not a thousand, a hundred. A hundred, yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> right now I have eleven hundred and forty three points. I don't have as many right now because I did spend some recently. See, that's the problem. Is like I could never get to that point because I kept using my points. Yeah. Too convenient. Yeah, the, by the way, if you're getting food anywhere from a fast food place, there is absolutely zero reason to go in and order. You just order on your app and get the points for it. It's so much better in every sense of the way. Yeah, I mean, even if you're going in to physically pick it up, you can do takeout as 90% of the places offer the, it. The rewards from getting the points and just the offers they have, like the deals they have on the app. Oh, yeah, like you'll never get those if you just walk in. They'll never tell you they exist. No, and most of them don't if you go inside. You have to do it through the app. There is only one app that I won't say I despise, but it's truly disappointing. And that breaks my heart to say is Whataburger. Because the amount of customization that it doesn't have that you can do in person yeah. is ridiculous. That is the one drawback. A lot of the times they don't put all the options on the apps that you can order in person, and it does kind of stink then. Yeah, because like there's uh, there's like the, the Honey Barbecue Chicken Strip Sandwich. You can get that with honey butter. And I don't think it was until recently that they even added that as an option on the app. Yeah, there's a lot of substitutions you can just ask for up at the counter that you can't order on the app. You can make literally pretty much – if they have the ingredients, you can make any burger you want. Yeah, yeah. And that is kind of absurd. I've seen a 7x7 seven seven where they had seven patties and seven slices of cheese. That is probably my favorite thing about Whataburger, that you can literally go up and order as many patties as you want on that burger, and they will make it and give yeah, it to you. Yeah, they just look at you like, I bet <laughs> – I uh, went over to one of my buddies' houses one time, and uh, there was we were having like a bunch of friends over, or whatever. And uh, one of them, you can go up to Waterburger and just buy all of their frozen, uncooked patties as many as you want. Yeah. Did you know that you can buy a box full of just like ready-made, basically burger? Like they come plain and dry, but all like the condiments come on the side, and you can do it like a Taco Bell party pack for burgers. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's wild to me, and like. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to say R.I.P. Whataburger, but it's getting there. 
uh, they get they keep taking away a lot of the really good stuff. Hey, ever since then, people up north bought it out. It's been going a little downhill. I, I mean, technically before that, a little bit, but yeah, I blame them for most of it. Um, but I will say there is a shining light of hope in the fact that they have you seen the breakfast bowl they have? No, I really want to try it though. I've it, not, I've not had it yet. Do you know what's in it? Yeah, yeah, I've looked at it. Oh, it looks amazing. Like, honestly, it looks like more food than any other breakfast option they have. Yeah. I got to say, like, bowls in general at fast food places are probably, like, one of my favorite inventions ever because I love mixing all of the things together and getting the flavor out of it. And while we're talking about bowls at fast food places, KFC. That's what I was going to bring up next. Hallelujah. The KFC bowl is the best thing at KFC. I absolutely love them. I adore them. Yeah, see, the other day, uh, me and some friends went to Dallas for one of my friend's birthdays. Uh, that friend you'll probably meet here soon enough. His name is Jax. That's all we'll say for now. Um, we went to Dallas for his birthday, and we stopped at KFC for lunch. And I was so sold on a bowl. And I got there, and I was like, I don't want to do a bowl because I always get a bowl. I mean, granted, I hardly ever go to KFC, which I probably should have just been like, screw it, I'm going to take the bowl because I never come here. Right. But everybody else just got straight up chicken, and I was like, okay, like I'll get some chicken. Because I was like, also, I haven't had KFC's just straight up chicken in a while either. So I was yeah. like, I'll give it a shot. It was fine. Would, uh, would have rather had the bowl, though? Yeah, I mean, first off, that location... I've never been, like, a huge fan of anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, the few times I've had it, it's been kind of subpar. And the chicken was just, like, really fatty. Yeah. Which is not something you want in your chicken. Um, But those bowls go hard. Yeah. B- bowls are the best thing on the menu. <laughs> 100%. Their biscuits are amazing, too. Yes. They do have fantastic bro, bro, biscuits. Bro, bro, bro. Have you had their peach Mountain Dew? No. It sounds fantastic. It's liquid peach rings. Hmm, interesting. It's called Sweet Lightning. Yeah. It's like the like that day I went I had it. Like I've had it twice. The last time it wasn't so great. I think it was just because of like what I was eating. Like it just didn't really pair super well. That first time I had it blew me away. I got to say Mountain Dew, it's really interesting how they do a lot of their flavors like exclusively at restaurants. Yeah, like Buffalo Wild Wings has their own Mountain Dew now. Taco Bell has like a lot of exclusive Mountain Dew flavors. Yeah, have you seen the Pineapple uh, Baja Blast? Or is like Baja Gold, I think it's what it's called. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's a, it's a pineapple flavored Baja Blast called Baja Gold. And I, I, they're really innovative with their flavors, I have to say. For like a, like a gas station drink, you know what I mean? So Yeah, good. like... Like, Coke is probably the most corporate version of it. Yeah. Where they're like, hey, have you ever thought of putting Coke with coffee? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about all that. I didn't really enjoy that one that much. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you have your basic flavors, like vanilla, cherry, whatever. And, like, Dr. Pepper does the same thing. But even, like, I know you don't really like Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. But I will say Dr. Pepper at least gets a little bit more wild with their flavor ideas. Yeah, yeah, I give you that. Like the cream soda, I've, I don't think I've had the cream soda yet, but mm-hmm. I hear people that, like rave about it. Yeah. Um, but like, realistically, Coke has probably the tamest ones. There used to be Coke with lime, like yes, in the can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now 
like you can find it on like some of the Coca-Cola freestyle machines. Yeah. Or some gas stations that have the flavor editions you can do. Mm-hmm. Top tier Coca-Cola is Coca-Cola with lime for me. Yeah, lime Coke goes super hard. It's one of the hardest sodas you can ever get. It's so good. It is slept on atrociously. It is by far the best Coca-Cola product for Coke. Speaking of, have you had any like words that have popped into your vocabulary that you just like almost like word of the day or technically I guess word of the week where you just like this word sounds interesting and you just use it a bunch? Mm, I mean, I'm sure I have. I couldn't think of any right now. Atrocious is on my list right now. Atrocious, very nice, very good. And word. tremendous. Good dis- good description words. Yeah. Um, we, that same group, essentially, uh, we were at, uh, that silver saloon in Tyler or not Tyler in Terrell. Um, and I won't give any names out, but we had a buddy of ours that just got absolutely wild. And I just remember telling a friend of ours, I was like, man, he is absolutely down atrocious. (laughs) And after I said that, I was like sticking with that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Adding adding fun new words to different phrases is especially always common good. phrases. Yes, changing them up a little bit, adding some yeah. spice in there. Yes, zest that lemon on top of that phrase. Yep, yep. Speaking of that, uh, for those who don't know, I I prefer the herb sometimes. Uh, and that same night, I remember I was smoking with uh, Redacted, and um, I go back in the club. And I'm at a point where I'm like watching this band play and I'm having to remind myself to breathe. Yep. And you know, manual you get, mode. Yeah. Stick shift. Well, ah, see, that was the thing is I turned to my buddy Jax and I was like, man, homie got my lungs on stick shift right now. <laughs> and he fucking laughed like crazy. And I like, it wasn't a premeditated saying. Yeah. But I did think of it, like, a second before I said it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I cracked myself up. Because it was funny just how real that was. Those are always the best ones. Yeah, because it's like, it makes sense. It felt like it didn't. But then I thought about it, and I was like, oh, no, that actually... No, that fits that's pretty That's coherent. Well. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like a Theo Vaughn moment. <laughs> so, hey, Hunter. What's up? If you were going to lose the ability to taste one flavor, salty, sweet, sour, umami, and then what's the uh, fifth one? Spicy. Spicy. Which one would you no longer want to be able to taste anymore? Oh, that's difficult. Because umami is like savory, right? Yeah, yeah, savory. Oh, God. Um... Salty, sweet, sour, savory, spicy. Wow, there there's no way to answer this without somebody getting pissed off. <laughs> um, if I'm being completely honest, probably like I don't have one definite answer off the top of my head. Yeah, but I can give you two reasons for each answer. Like not two. Re- uh, sorry, I can give you a reason for each answer, and there's two of them. Uh, it'd probably be somewhere between sour and salty. Mm-hmm. Um, I love sour gummies and stuff like that. But when it comes to, like, legit sour, I'm not, like, a huge fan. Like, I'm not a big fan of, like, actual lemons. Yeah. Like, I love lemon juice and drinks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're never going to get me to eat a lemon like an orange. Yeah. Um. So, like, things that are actually sour, eh. I mean, I still want to do, like, the Miracle Berry thing where you mm-hmm. eat it and it changes your taste buds. Maybe we can do that someday. True. 
Um, and then like salty, I I mean, I don't want to get rid of salt, but like the excess of salt. No, no, no. You're losing this flavor. See, that's hard because like, granted, I could probably get used to it. It's just that like things that are just like overly salty might be worth getting rid of the salt altogether because there's certain things that you just like you bite into something that's just completely over salted and I'm like it eh. yeah because like you know there's a lot of asian food that I like that's spicy and a lot of mexican food that I like that's spicy and there's no way I'm giving that up yeah um so I mean what do you what are you popping which one if i have to choose between salty and sour yeah it's just all the way gone impossible to taste Honestly, probably sour because I eat that the least, so I'd be less like upset about that being gone. Yeah, it affect you the least. Yeah, it's a good. Answer. What about you? Uh, I would have to say, I would. I'd probably take out spicy. Really? <clears throat> yeah, like heat's okay, but it's probably like I could do without it, and yeah. I could be able to eat a lot more stuff if it wasn't so spicy. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If you had to lose music, television, that's including TV and movies, like shows and movies, mm-hmm. or video games, which one would you rather lose? Oh, uh, that is a tougher one. I'd probably pick TV and movies, though, to be honest with you. Yeah? Uh, I love video games. I feel like they're the most immersive form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You really can lose yourself in them the easiest, and you really get to experience it as if you were that. Yeah. Uh, music, I, I don't know that I could go with that music. It's such an integral part of every other media. 100%. Not just including by itself. Yeah, could you imagine playing a video game with no music? Imagine playing Mario without the like iconic dan it dan dan it dan. Yeah, I mean, and then the TV and movies, all the background music that really sets the scene. I don't, I don't think you could do do it without music. To be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I mean it. it It'd enhances, be so boring. It enhances a mood. Yes, it because like it. sometimes you don't have a context for a certain scene of a TV show you're watching, but you or something, hear a certain sound and it evokes emotion. A feeling, out of you. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I definitely have to go with TV and movies. I was like, going to have I a fourth love one. TV and movies, but I could just read a book. Yeah. Well, see, that's the funny thing is I was going to add a book in there, but I couldn't remember what the fourth one was going to be, and it was book. Uh, and I know for sure you would have never said no, book. No, I would never give up books. I love books so much. I read all the time. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, it's been a good episode one. Um you know, I think it's probably time we cut it here. Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that. So if you have been listening, uh, thank you, for one, for this being the first episode. Uh, but my name is Hunter. My name is Kane. And my, my boss, boss is, is a dick. dick. <laughs>